this message encourages and inspires you today. Why don't we give our hands to God? Really, it's an amazing, amazing thing that God is doing through our church. And one of the things that we have learned throughout the year is we can count on God, right? We could really hold on to what God said in His Word. And as we enter 2021, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Because we know we have an awesome God. Let's be excited with what God will do. And together, really, let's honor God and make disciples together. Good morning, everyone. I'm Jay, one of the pastors in this church. Good morning to you guys who are at home. It's a wonderful Sunday to really worship God. Merry Christmas! Why don't you greet the person right next to you? Smile uh, underneath that, you know, mask is a smile. Greet the person in your homes right now. It's a very different Christmas, would you agree? Right? We're going to celebrate Christmas in five days from now. And we're going to celebrate a very, very different Christmas. It's going to be different. We won't be allowed to have parties. We won't have as much people at our homes, I guess. And um, there's going to be a lot of things that are different. Maybe you won't receive as much gifts. Maybe you won't give as much gifts this year. But the thing is, with all the things that shifted within this year, we could still celebrate a lot of things. You see, as we reflect on this series uh, in time, there's a lot of things that God has been doing and a lot of things that we have been learning. And one of them is the realization that with the many different things that are happening, you know, different in sense of people having plans and they have been derailed. Some of you have that, I guess. You know, you have had hopes that have been deferred. Um, you have had things that you would want to do, but for some reason, you're disappointed. And it's just frustrating, if we're honest. Uh, I remember I have a three-year-old daughter named Tala. And at the onset of the pandemic, she would always ask me uh, when we would go to kids' church. <laughs> Every single Sunday, we'd attend the online church and she'll say, Will we go to kids' church now? <laughs> and every Sunday, I would have to explain to her, that no, because there's a virus. And I can sense her frustration, her, the three-year-old in her. And, you know, when we think about this, the sense of feeling frustrated, disappointed, um, it's just so true in this season. And um, there are some things that when we become disappointed, it's kind of easy to just forego. Like, you know, maybe next time, kids' church, we can do that again. Um, being delayed with some things, right? When somebody's late, it kind of feels frustrating. Um, you'd remember maybe, you know, for some of you who uh, in the past, Teka lang muna, pero it takes an hour. Some of you have been waiting for that miraculous breakthrough, but somehow it, it didn't come, at least for this season. That's frustrating. That, that, that feels bad, really. And sometimes even for, especially for people who have been waiting for the cure or maybe you're sick or maybe an answer to a question you've been asking God, those things can really be hard. And in the same way, if you think about the first Christmas, the people have been waiting for a Messiah. They have been promised that a king would come and he would solve all the problems of the nation of Israel. They would, they would be set free from the oppressor, the Romans. Um, their economy would change. The lifestyle would change. People would have better lives. That's the promise. 
They have waited for 400 years. Some of them got frustrated, turned away from God. And they said, maybe this is not going to happen anyway, so I'm going to turn away from God. Some of them, they just felt so frustrated as well that they turned to other gods, get lost in the festivities of the world that's around them. They started to believe the Roman gods. And the more we think about where we are in this present day, I feel like, you know, if we're at home or maybe you're here, there's that same sense as well that there are people who have been uh, with the many things that happened this year, have become frustrated and have been lost with the pace of life. Um, life used to be so fast. Life used to be so quick. And with everything just coming to this halt, it's important to think about how God is still God. That in the midst of our frustrations and maybe even uh, things that we're thinking about, God is still God. And that's Christmas for us. Whenever we greet each other, Merry Christmas! What do we mean by Merry Christmas? Especially this year, right? What's Merry about Christmas this year? And I think the Word of God has the answer for that. That I really believe that with all the things that happen, this is the only thing that does not shift. And we can hold on to it. So I invite you to stand up and open your Bibles. And if you're at home, to open your Bible. Um, I really believe this, that the best part of this preaching is going to be us reading the Word together. So I, I really encourage you to open your Bibles and let's allow God to speak to us as we read this together. The book of John opens this way. John chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 1 to 13. And In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through Him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming to the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. God, You're truly that, full of grace and truth. So today, as we reflect on Your Word, as we think back with what has been happening around us and think today how this Word would pierce through all the noise, Lord, I pray you would truly speak to us as we look forward to a day when you would be with us forevermore. Lord, thank you that you're going to change lives today. You're going to do a miracle in our situations. But most importantly, thank you that you are with us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may now take your seat. Again, 
We are in the series entitled In Time. And if you've been with us online or here physically for the past few weeks, it has been a great series, right? It's an amazing series because we are talking about one of the greatest things that happen in the world. You know, we have been talking about the story in the book of John that talks about how God came. And who is this God? You know, we have been saying this for the past few weeks that this book, this wonderful book, the Bible, 39 books within one uh, collection. In the, in the New Testament, there are four stories that center around the story of Jesus. We can call them um, the good news stories or uh, in our religious term, the gospels or the gospel narratives. All of them talk about the life of Jesus in, in different vantage points. It's like seeing one event and then telling it in different versions. It's the same story, yet with each uh, emphasis, with each approach, it's different. You have Matthew who talks about Jesus as the Messiah coming to save these people, the Israelites. And then you have uh, Mark who gives us, when you open the book of Mark, he is the Son of God. It's a message to the Roman Empire that he's greater than their emperor. He's the true Son of God. And then you have Luke who presents Jesus as the king of those who are poor, oppressed, lost, broken. And then we have John, you know. Uh, and if you're like me, one of the first books that your victory group leader or somebody who, uh, you know, discipled you, the first book that was uh, introduced to me in the Bible is the book of John. Remember that? You know, what's the first book you want to start with in the Bible? The book of John. And then if you're like me, when you start with the book of John and you read, in the beginning was the word, huh? <laughs> What's that? And if you don't know as much Bible, it's easy to get lost in the first page of the book of John. Especially the first 14 verses. Because as much as we think we actually know what it says, there's a lot of riddles and like puzzles. Like, what does this mean? So what we're doing in, in this Christmas series is that we're, we're trying to we look into it and say, yes, He is the Lord. In the first week we said, He's Logos. And then last week we talk, talked about how He's the life. And this week, we'll talk about how He's the light. See, the first verses of the book of John opens this way. It says, in the beginning. And um, Pastor Bodhi, uh, got, you know, he preached a very powerful message on this, how Jesus is the Logos. But if you think about how Jesus is. And in this book, right, it opens, in the beginning was the Word. Like, what's that? It's echoing the voice of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And um, if you're a Jewish boy who grew up studying the Bible, um, this sounded like a very familiar song. It's like the Christmas songs we have, right? It's like, um, all I want for Christmas is... Some of you, two front teeth, yung it's you. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is two front teeth or is you. And because it's so familiar that when, when one line is said, your brain automatically fills the gap, right? It's the same with this verse. When the early readers would read, in the beginning, what, what the thing that fills their mind is God. But, but John tells them a word. Imagine that. Imagine the surprise. In the beginning, God. A word, what? And this word, if you notice it in your Bible, is capital W because it's not just any other word. It's the Logos. It's the God of the universe. And, and so, as we look into how John is painting this picture, he's un unraveling this wonderful image of who this God is. 
This God is a God who's coming to the world. He is really the God that says He is the light. He says here, all right? Um, he was in the beginning with God and all things were made through Him and without Him was not anything was, that was made. In Him was life, verse 4. Pastor Riel preached about how He is the source, the sustainer of life. But here, he says, in Him was life and the life was the light of men. Now, pause to think about that because many times we assume that we know what it means. In Him was life and the life What's light? Huh? <laughs> What's that? What does that mean? That the life that is in him is light. And, and we go, what? How important is this? What, what's the significance of this life being the light? Now imagine with me a world where there is no electricity. Now, electricity has been invented like a hundred years past. But before a time when there was no electricity, in a time where uh, life is dictated by light, right? In fact, the life of the first century uh, people, uh, first century Jews, it was dictated by the sunlight, which means when uh, the sun is up, that's the first hour of the day. Everything starts. They go to the markets, they start doing their business, and they start uh, worshiping God. And then when the sun sets, essentially somehow, life ceases. Everybody needs to go home. The lamps aren't enough for them to continue doing what they're doing. They have to go back. And somehow life ceases to exist when light is not there. So now, think with me how important John, this claim, he says Jesus is that light. The light that guides the life. The one that dictates when the life goes and the life he is the light in the world. And this is a fascinating claim because again, if we're thinking about Genesis, we also should be thinking about how this is an image of how God is coming into the world. You see, the more we reflect on the idea that in Him was life and this life was the light, we see how great and grand God truly is. One of the dangers of the fast pace of our lives and then the many activities that we do in Christmas times when, when it was still possible for us to do it, one of the dangers of that is that it's too fast and there's just so many things that we forget how important and how grand really Christmas is. Really, right? With all the parties you'd have to attend, with all the gifts you'd have to buy. With all, it's just so easy to miss out that this is the king of the universe coming because he loves me. But nowadays, it's the opposite. Because of the many things that happened, because of all the frustration that, that surrounds humanity this season, it's easy still to miss out how important the coming of Christ is. What makes Merry Christmas a Merry Christmas truly is because in the midst of the darkest of our days, the light is with us. That in the midst of all dark clouds, God's life and light cuts through. And He truly is 
with us. Now, Jesus is the light. As we think about this, and maybe you're in your home, okay, Jesus is the light. What does that have to do with me? You know, how, does this, how should this change my life? How should this shift the way I think about the world? Now, it says here, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now again, it's, it's echoing the voice of Genesis. If you're familiar with Genesis, you, you would hear how in the beginning, there was darkness and void. Remember that in the book of Genesis? Not, you know, pretend, you know, it's okay. <laughs> the book of Genesis, it opens, it opens to that. And, and the, the, the world that it belonged to, the people who believed in the Bible and God, they understood how dark and how dangerous the darkness and the void is. Again, remember, they lived in a world when there was no light. There are dangerous animals that can prey on them. There are thieves that are coming from anywhere on the land. There was darkness and void. They understood how dangerous darkness is. But John is saying, this light cannot be overcome by any form of darkness. This light. And, and, and look at this. It's not that the, the light... Is, is fighting against the darkness. You observe how the words John is used. It's not that the light is fighting against darkness. It's the darkness trying to overcome the light. But no, it can't. That's how powerful this God is. In the beginning, God created something beautiful and orderly out of darkness and void. He took and spoke creation out of something that's so chaotic, something that's so dark, God created beauty and order. In our time today, we have been so familiar with the idea of chaos, right? You know, more and more, especially this season, the chaos of our homes becoming a, an office slash preschool slash, uh, you know, gym slash everything else. It's chaotic. I remember one time, my little daughter, I was working and uh, she was beside me and she told me, Tatay, stop working. <laughs> I said, I just need to finish this. It's my job. She told me, that's not your job. Like, who? <laughs> your job is to play with me. <laughs> because, you know, there's the, the chaos is just the blurring of what needs to happen somewhere. We're so familiar with chaos nowadays. Now, some chaos seems like that, but some chaos are just more personal and more painful. Like one of my friends, Rob, not his real name. I talked to him before the service. His grandfather died because of COVID. And imagine the scare of the whole family because they live near each other. Weeks after the death of his grandfather, he lost his job. And I was talking to him and I was like, chaos. Right? And we can imagine the chaos in the life of Jelly, another uh, member of our church. Not her real name, but she's a mother of a seven-year-old boy working as a call center agent at night and in the morning trying to figure out how to sell 
things online just to make ends meet. You can imagine the chaos in the lives of our brothers and sisters in places where their lives turned upside down because of storms. You can imagine that chaos. And maybe you, in your own personal life, the chaos and the darkness that just seems so bad and just feels so hopeless. And I believe the message of God for us today is this, that in the midst of the chaos and darkness, God can still shine His bright light and create something beautiful as He did in the beginning. As He did in the beginning. He, John reminds us of that. And I believe He's reminding us of that today. That in the midst of darkness, the light of hope would shine so bright and we'd see who this God truly is. And maybe you're listening to this and it just is so really tough to think about it. Some right away believes and, you know, we can celebrate this fact. Some people, it's just harder to celebrate this. But then again, we go back to who this God is. And we realize that because Jesus is light, we have hope in Him. Right? Because He is the light. Because He's the one who shines forth the darkness. We have hope. Look at the person right next to you. That person has hope. <laughs> but really, right? That in the midst of all things toppled upside down, hope is available in Christ. But as we think about this hope, how does He give hope? And again, John presents this in the most beautiful way. He says, He came as a witness, true light, He says here, which gives Light to everyone, in verse 9, was coming into the world. That this light that was in the beginning was true light. And he, John has to emphasize, emphasize that he's true light because um, there are things in that time that seem to be the light. There's, they seem to be the ones bringing hope. In fact, there are leaders in the land. Um, the emperor seems to be the one claiming to be giving hope to the people since he's the one doling up the help, you know? Um, the, some religious leaders, they think, oh, maybe there's the hope because that religious leader is saying something good. Maybe they are the hope. But John had to cut through that noise and say, no, true light is this light. The true light is Jesus. And sometimes the, in a world of artificial lights, in a time that we live in, so easy to miss out the light of God because of the many artificial lights that we look into. The fun of maybe relationships and maybe the being lost in uh, the many privileges of this life. And we can lose sight of what the true light is. For some of us, hope looks like a small candle in the dark. Really. And it feels like how will I go through this day? But for some of us, hope really is a bright day. And however it looks for all of us, it is Jesus that is the true light. And true light, He gives light to everyone. Can you say that? Everyone. This means it's no matter who you are, no matter where you are, 
No matter how much sin you have committed, no matter how far you've gone, you think at least the true light is for you. It's coming to the Word. He was in the Word. And, and people, when they saw this light, when they saw Jesus and the message of Jesus, some of them did not believe. And some of you maybe are coming to this and like, really? Jesus? Hope? Really? Now? But he says this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? The children of God. That this light came not just to bring hope. In fact, the hope that he brings is connected to him giving us a new identity. That that Jesus is the light that brings hope through a life in Him. That that the hope in Jesus is not separated from a relationship with Him. He's not a genie that just gives hope and then leaves us behind. You know, God solved my problems and then everything's over. Oh, good job, Jesus. He solved my problem. I was praying for a job and now I have a job. Now I can leave you again and then maybe do something again. When something's wrong, God, I'll go back to you. But no. John portrays a picture of a God who says, the hope that we have in Jesus is because we are with Jesus. A relationship happens. In fact, he emphasizes it's not through the blood, ethnicity, it's not through our will, the flesh, but it's through the will of what? Of who? God. It is He who initiates this wonderful love story between Him and us. And that's the hope that we have. Because in our will, in our flesh, in our blood, we'd be looking for hope elsewhere. We'll be looking for hope in our jobs. We'll be looking for hope in our homes. We'll be looking for hope in relationships. But no, John says, true hope is with a relationship with God. You see, as we think about where we are, This hope is for everyone, the weak, the poor, the broken, the lost, the doubtful, and everything in between. This right was given to all of us. That Him being the light and bringing hope is with a relationship with Him. But it doesn't end there. Because the thing is, if if our celebration of Christmas ends with us saying, oh, therefore we have hope. And therefore, we can turn the next page and that's it. What a tragedy would that be? Because there's something powerful in the message of Christmas, even in the very first page of the book of John. We skip some verses. In verse 6, we say, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. That the hope that God gives is with a relationship with him, but it does not end there. That as we follow Him, we become like John. We become witnesses. And maybe you're here and you're listening to this and you're not a follower of Jesus and you go, okay, I mean, you know. But here's the thing. While Christmas really is about God, Christmas is for us as well. And this radical relationship turns our life upside down so much so that we become witnesses. That the light that God gives, we become reflectors of it. 
become people, in Paul's language, we become people who are children of the light. Which means in our online meetings, how we can be light. How can we be light? In our company, how can we be light? In our homes, if you're a father right here, we have the grand opportunity to be light, at least a reflector of that light to our family. If you're a wife, spending so much time now at home, the wonderful opportunity to reflect the light of God to our homes. As we take this, we become children and we become a people who reflect the hope of God. See, Jesus is the light that brings hope. And, and this hope is only really found when we have renewed life in Him. And really, as we think about how deep this truth is, verse 14 shows us um, the grand the pinnacle of the Christmas story. If Luke tells this story, Matthew tells this story, but John tells it in a very, very different way. Verses 1 to 13 in the book of John gives you like a, a, a picture of this God that's distant, he's so powerful. But then verse 14 says this. And the Word became flesh and tabernacle dwelt among us and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, he is the God who is full of grace and truth. He's, he's recalling images of two words. Grace, which is related to the idea of love. And truth, which is related to the idea of, of trustworthy in Exodus. That we can trust that this God comes with His love and trustworthiness. We can believe in this God. We have said this several times today. Jesus is the light that brings hope through a renewed life in Him. In fact, another way to say it is saying that Jesus brings hope and a life with a purpose, right? That our, our lives suddenly now would have a bigger purpose beyond amassing wealth, beyond just doing the right things. It has now become an opportunity to reflect God we think about this and the world happening around us, I'm reminded of how when I was a young boy, I was scared of the dark. Among you were like that. Um, I was so scared of the dark that whenever my grandmother would ask me to get water at the, you know, she has the best timing when it comes to these things, right? When everything's like closed and, you know, she would ask, uh, guy, can you get me water? And I'll go down and I'll get the water. What I'll do is I'll rush down the house. And I'll get the water and rush back. Not because I'm a good boy. <laughs> Only because I was just so afraid. Bring her water back. One night, it was raining so hard. No electricity. And she asked me again to bring back a glass of water. And I, I, I would want to make an excuse. <laughs> I'm sleepy or, you know, I'm tired. <laughs> what she did, I think she noticed that I was afraid. What she did was that she, she picked me up and she brought me down with her as she gets a cup of water. And I was going down the stairs with her. It's the same thing. It's still dark. <laughs> I still can't see anything. But for some reason, I was not afraid. 
For some reason, it's just different. Because I was with her in the dark. Now that I'm older, I'm still afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of things I'm not sure of. I'm afraid of things that I did not plan happening. I'm still afraid of not seeing things. My grandmother has passed away this year. But I'm with God now. And I have hope. As I pass through the darkest of days. And it's not that I have hope because I'm sure tomorrow will be a better day. It's not that I have hope because tomorrow I'm sure the vaccine will work. It's not hope because I know that everything will be great in 2021. In fact, I am not sure. But my, my hope and my faith is not blind. In contrary to many people and saying that faith is blind. No, no, we're not just blindly following God. We see Him. We don't see tomorrow. We don't know what's there, but we see Him and it's with us. It's the same dark path. But I'm with the light of the world. Therefore, I have hope. Therefore, I have life. Therefore, I have a purpose. And that purpose, that hope, that life, it's available for us every single day. As we draw to a close, this promise of Christmas, this image of a grand God, with all the frustrations and all the lights uh, around us, it may feel like things would never be the same again. But I like how um, the author C.S. Lewis put it. In the Chronicles of Narnia, the character Lucy said, "In, in the world... There was uh, something in a cradle that was greater than the world itself. That's the glory of God. And this happened so that we would have hope and life and a purpose in Him. This is an invitation. For some, it's a challenge. Will you trust God? Will you trust God? Even if you don't see what's next, will you trust Him? For some, the challenge is, will you reflect Him? Will you live out this hope? In our Christmas dinners, five days from now, we have a grand opportunity to talk about the greatest story ever. The greatest love story of a God who went down so that you and I would have hope. Because with all the darkness right now, we just really need the light of God shining from the cross. And as we look at that cross, it's empty. You know why? Because our hope did not stay dead. The tomb is not empty because our Christ, our King, our hope is alive. That's why we worship Him. That's what makes our Merry Christmas merry. That's the joy that we have in this season. And then we all stand up and pray. Oh God, you are the king. You're the God who called us from darkness into light, our lives. If you're a follower of God, it means your life is never the same when you started following this Jesus, right? But if you aren't, it means 
not understanding this light. So today, there's an invitation for us to follow Him truly. Whether you've been a Christian for so long or you're just new to what this Christianity is, right? Christmas is an opportunity for all of us to rethink, retell, relive the story of a God full of love and light. Let's lift our hands to this God. Lord, I realize that in this place right now and maybe in your homes, maybe you're right there and you're just listening to this and it might feel like the hope is just so far-flung and doesn't make sense. I pray that you would restore their hope in you. Lord, just like that man who said, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Maybe there are those people just needing help to believe and hope in you. Lord, I pray that you would do that. I pray that healing would happen. I pray, Lord God, that you would remove oppression from our land. All the brokenness and all systems, Lord God. That you would help people, Lord God, who are really suffering. And for people who feels like they don't need you, I pray that you would remind them how much you love them. Thank you, God, for this day. Truly, it is you who is hope and light into this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.